Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is the morning service of Sunday the 2nd of April 2017, entitled Making Our Church a Great Church, Part 4. And the Bible reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 32 and 33. Here's Pastor Larry T. Curtis. Didn't plan, but as I began to look and ponder and think about what to share with you from God's Word this morning, and of course, as we are thinking of continuing in the few thoughts that we've been looking at in recent weeks on making our church a great church. I'm sorry, friends, the world doesn't need more social clubs. It doesn't need more religious groups. A great church is a church that is built by the Lord Jesus Christ himself. And the thing is, it's despite all of our imperfections, you can look around you at this small congregation here this morning and you see people from all parts of the world, from all different kinds of backgrounds. We may have been raised in different cultures and some even speak different languages, but we've got the same God. If you're a believer this morning, I mean, if you've truly been born again, you're part of the family. It's more than just an institution. As we've been looking at these thoughts of making our church a great church, we've said that we're not interested in being great in man's eyes. A great church has nothing to do with how big and fancy our buildings are and how many thousands that we might run and all of these things. We did say that if our church is going to be a great church, then it's going to be because that we have great purpose. Our purpose is not our own. That's not an easy thing. That's easy words to say, but it's not really an easy thing to accomplish. If this thing gets too bad, I'll rip it off. We haven't figured out what's causing the interference, but hopefully it'll uh, calm down. We've got something in the last couple months that's started interfering in the area. But right now, I'll just leave it on for now, David. Hopefully it'll settle down a little bit. We looked at three things. Our great purpose is not our own. There's three things that we looked at. A great church will have great purpose, first of all, in obedience to the Savior. I know sometimes we may not fit into some people's molds the way that they want us to. It's not great church names. It's not great denominations. It's not man's plans and programs. We do it God's way. Obedience to the Savior. Secondly, operation in the Spirit. We get so good at this religious church stuff that we just write God right out of the picture and we just plan it all and we do it all and we get a great church. It's not one that's operating within its own power and wisdom, but it's operating in the Spirit. You know, we can offer a lot of programs, we can offer a lot of help, we can offer a lot of things. But there's one church, one purpose, that a great church will always offer. That's the offer of salvation. The only thing. I know. I know a lot of people don't want to hear it and a lot of people don't want to accept it, but let us not be guilty of not offering them 
the one thing that will change their lives forever. So folks, let's be a great church because we have a great purpose. Not doing our thing, but obeying the Savior. Not operating in our plans, but operating truly in the Spirit of God. And by no matter what else we offer, that we never fail to offer the plan of salvation. But a great church also has great preaching. Not great preachers. It doesn't take great preachers. It doesn't matter. There's only one thing that matters about who is standing in this pulpit preaching God's Word this morning, and that is who God wants here. We don't have, we can't preach within our own abilities and what we can do. And we looked at all those things. The Apostle Paul didn't go to him with all of his great, swelling, fancy words. Too many churches today are built on great preachers. But we need great preaching. And of course, as we talked about the fact of great preaching, we said that great preaching is preaching that will always, above all else, it will exalt the Savior. <laughs> I shared with you how that, you know, may it be that if someone comes through the doors of this church, they may never remember my name or who I am, but may it be as they, as they walked out of the doors of the Metropolitan Tabernacle when Charles Spurgeon had preached and one said to the other something about how great his job, and the other said, oh, but what about that great Jesus that he preached about? Folks, a great church will not lift man, any individual. It will exalt the Savior. Everything that we do should lift him should exalt Him. Exalting the Savior, edifying the saints. As believers, we need each other. We need the Word of God. I know some people look at you and you say, oh, your, your religion, your Christianity, is just some kind of a, a crutch for you to, to lean on. And you know what? Sometimes that's true. The bad thing is, is that some people don't think they need anything or anybody to lean on. They can take it all themselves. I like that great old hymn says, leaning on the everlasting arm. <laughs> I'm proud to say I'm leaning on him today. But you see, great preaching, it will exalt Jesus Christ first, and it will edify the saints. And the third one, which it will do, and I know it gets uncomfortable for everybody every now and then, but great preaching exposes sin doesn't dilly-dally around and, and, and just make believe that any of us are good. We're all sinners. All have sinned. All have come short of the glory of God. We might look pretty good in comparison to some of those bad people that we know. In comparison to Him, we see our sinfulness. Great preaching. The only way we can ever realize that we need that Savior that we're exalting the only way we can ever be one of those saints that's being built up is when the sin is exposed in our lives and we understand there's only one place to deal with that sin. You can be as good as you want. You can do what you want. But that doesn't take care of the sin. Only the shed blood of Jesus Christ will do that. But as we heard Rob testify, boy, when you recognize, when you realize 
that God loved you so much. You as an individual. You see, true Christianity is not about religion. It's about that relationship with Him. We're going to be a great church. We're going to have to get past what we want and what we can do. We're going to have to have a great purpose, which is all about Him. We're going to have to get past whether we like the person or the personalities or the people that might be proclaiming God's Word. But we need God's Word proclaimed in the way that He gave it. We don't need any great preachers, but we certainly need great preaching. And then we saw week before last, because last week we celebrated the mothers, praise God. We talked about a great church will have great power. He is the source of all of our power. He is the only one. And the sustaining of that great power is in us yielding ourselves to him. We can't produce the power. We can't make the power. He is the source, the only source of that. But we, you see, Brother Rob's going to be baptized in water today. That's not when he becomes a Christian. <laughs> That's signifying what's already taken place. You see, he's already been baptized in the Spirit, praise God. <laughs> Without the Spirit, you're none of his. But you know what? He needs to be filled with God's Holy Spirit day by day, by day. God is the source of that power. And the only way it's going to be sustained is for us to be filled with that power that comes from Him. And that's not about us getting more of Him. He is a person. You have Him or you don't have Him. But how much of you does He have? It's about Him having all of you. Being filled and controlled by His power. Acts Chapter 4, we read these two verses which are on the screen before you. And the multitude of them that believed, the believers, those that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that all of the things which he possessed was his own, but they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus and great grace was upon them all. You see, in just a few minutes, when Rob goes through these waters of baptism behind me here, it is great witness of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. He is openly before you in this world saying, I am a follower of Jesus Christ. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose again. And he's giving witness today that that's where his faith and his trust is lying. But you know, just as we have seen that a great church has great purpose and great preaching and great power. We may not like this next one, and I think this goes out 
I need not warn Rob because he will have already experienced some of it. But to each and every one of us is reminders today, great persecution. <laughs> Whoa! <laughs> like that, don't we? Well, may I remind you, first of all, that Paul said to young Timothy, they that live godly will suffer persecution. Sin is not comfortable in the presence of Jesus Christ. Now, I know Rob's not quite Jesus yet. <laughs> Got the beard, praise God. <laughs> but the Christ that lives within him. You see, the more of that Christ that's seen through his life, the less comfortable those with sin will be. Why were they persecuted? Well, notice that I believe that that great persecution came. In Acts chapter 4, if you back up to verse 13, the Bible says, Now when they saw, what's that next word? The boldness. When they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Whoa, these guys are bold. They don't have a degree. These guys were fishermen or something. <laughs> this is, how do they do that? And they took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed standing with them, they could say nothing against it. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred, saying amongst themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called him and commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done, for the man was above 40 years on whom the miracle of healing was showed. People aren't going to understand. <laughs> when God begins to work in your life, the individual or the church, if you truly follow the Lord Jesus Christ, there will be persecutions. There are going to be those, just like here, now when they saw the boldness. You sit back and don't share your faith and don't let anybody know. Just keep it a secret. All you really want is that fire insurance so that one day you know that you're going to heaven. But your friends don't have to know that. The people you know around you don't have to know that. Deny me before the world and I'll Deny you before the, my Father in heaven is what Jesus said. When you boldly proclaim, you see, hopefully this is just the beginning of Rob's boldness in not being ashamed. 
to follow the Lord Jesus Christ. Rob, some people aren't going to like it, brother. You're not going to become the most popular guy in Birmingham just because that you're a follower of Jesus. Sorry. And you know, friends, family, some of those that are the dearest to you, some of them may not understand it. They may not understand what is going on at all. But you see, the reason for the persecution because they were people of great faith. Great faith. It's faith whereby that Rob called out to the Lord one day to forgive him of his sins and just give himself to God because, man, he'd tried to do this, he'd tried to do this thing himself for too long. Great faith. It will bring persecution, but folks, don't let your faith finish when you call upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Because it wasn't just a great faith. That great faith brought with it a great fervor. They were on fire for God. They wanted to express what had happened in their lives. You see, not only do we see there in verse 13 where it says they saw the boldness, but we find that if you look down into verse 29, and now, Lord, behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. Verse 31, And when they had prayed, the place was shaken, where they assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. See, the church as individuals will face the persecution of men when they stand up boldly for the Savior. You see, it's great, great, great joy to my heart to see anybody come and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But it was a very special blessing to see Rob take that step. You see, once we've grown to love somebody down here, it makes all the difference in the world. Folks, you want to share it. I wouldn't love you very much if I didn't try to share my faith with you. If I didn't care, not only what it will do for you now, but for eternity, we need to be a people of great faith. And I hope that as Rob expresses his faith to you today, as he goes through the waters of baptism, I hope that it will give you a greater desire to express that faith with great fervor. I know. I know. It can be embarrassing sometimes, can't it? <laughs> People think you're a little strange. They've always thought that about me. I'm getting too old to change it now, so may as well just keep going, praise God. But let them think you're a little strange. Let them look at you, though, and say, hey, I don't understand this. How's, how's this guy doing this? Because he's been with Jesus. Because she's been with Jesus. That's what makes the difference. One thing that Rob has already looked at and that, matter of fact, anybody that comes to be a part of us here at Bethel, one of the things that they will look at 
is this matter of baptism and what it means. You may be here today and you, maybe you were baptized as a baby and I'm sure somebody meant well by that and I'm, I'm not here to fight a battle with them. But I am here boldly to proclaim the only baptism we find in the Word of God is believer's baptism. Believer's baptism. Once somebody has come to put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, you see, the meaning behind baptism is not one that you do so that you can become a Christian. It's not some rite that you have to go through. The book of Colossians chapter 2 and verse 12 says this, Buried with him, Jesus. Buried with Jesus in baptism. Wherein also ye are risen with him through the faith of the operation of God who hath raised him from the dead. You see, today, the meaning of this baptism today is Rob's identification with Jesus Christ. Buried with Jesus Christ. I can't explain to you. This is not some mystical thing that just sounds good. The truth is, when you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ and His finished work at Calvary, the Bible says you die with Him over 2,000 years ago. That's where your sins die. That's where that old flesh dies. With Jesus on the cross. And as he was raised that third day and they found that empty tomb, the Bible says you are raised with him. There is no resurrection without Jesus Christ. This baptism today is to proclaim to you, Rob is saying, hey, I'm not ashamed that I died on that cross with Jesus Christ. I rose with him and I know that because he lives, I shall live also. Today, this is a testimony to you of what's already taken place. It's a boldness in his life to identify him with the Jesus Christ that was nailed to the cross, but that rose again the third day. The method of baptism. We could go through all those passages, but I will simply say this to you. That in Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 they came up out of the river. In Acts chapter 8, verse 38, which we'll read in just a moment, there was much water there. And in that same verse, they went down into the water. They always, we find that they're either going down into the water or they're coming up out of the water. Hey, I'm not everybody else's judge. And if they're happy pouring or sprinkling or whatever they want to do, that's between them and God. We do it this way because it's the only way that I find that baptism ever took place in the Word of God. We find that the word baptize itself. <laughs> we didn't even have a word in, in the English language to describe what they were talking about. Baptize is one of those transliterated words. When they went to translate it, there wasn't anything there, so they took the word from the Greek and they made one in the English with it. It means to dip, to plunge, to submerge, to immerse. The word means it. It's the only way that we find it in Scripture. 
And so I say to you today, the meaning of this baptism is not so that Rob can become any more saved or any more a child of God today. It's for him to identify before you boldly that he is a follower of Jesus Christ and he unashamedly identifies with his death on the cross and his resurrection. He's following in, in the waters of baptism by immersion because that's the Bible way to do it. Why? Well, you know, so many times we find that we quote verses without quoting all of them, but in Matthew chapter 28, we find that this was the great commission that was given to the church and what they were to do when Jesus went back. And he said, all power is given unto me, Jesus said, in heaven and in earth. If all power is given to me, he says, go ye therefore. Because of that, as a result of that, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Teaching them to observe all things whatsoever I have commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the world. We do it because Jesus is the one that commanded it. Folks, I don't say this to be mean to you today. But if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, if you've never taken that step of faith, I don't care about the prayer, the ceremony. I'm in your heart. If you ever humbled yourself as a sinner and asked God's forgiveness because of what Jesus did for you, all the baptisms in the world will do you no good until you do that. But I say just as assuredly, if you are here and you are a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, but you've never followed the Lord in believer's baptism, I love you just as much, folks, but you're a dis disobedient child of God. You're disobeying your father. He told you to do this. So there's only one way to get around it. I don't say that to be mean. I'm just saying you're missing a blessing. You won't become any more of a Christian. The thief on the cross couldn't be baptized. He's just as much in heaven today as anybody else. But that's no excuse to disobey him and not be willing to identify before the world that you're a follower of Jesus Christ. He's the one that said it. He's the one that gave it to us and how to do it. Not me. Jesus said this, though. He said in John 14, 15, If you love me, keep my commandments. If you love me, keep my commandments. You see, believing and being saved come first. But being immersed in water is one of your very first steps of obedience that you take. I'm going to try this with a frog in my throat because of your testimony, Rob. Not because of my ability, but this one's for you. You can pretend somebody else is doing it better, but the words is what I want to express because in my life, this song has meant more to me in expressing the love of God than any other that I've ever heard or tried to sing. And I'm not a singer. But man, I love to sing. <laughs> I like to make a joyful noise.
So if it gets too bad, stick your fingers in your ears because this one's for Rob anyway. But it's trying to express. I think this songwriter was given very, very special ability to pen these words. The love of God is greater far than tongue or pen can ever tell. It goes beyond the highest star and reaches to the lowest hell. The guilty pair bowed down with care. God gave his son to win. His erring child he reconciled and pardoned from his sin. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. When hoary time shall pass away and earthly thrones and kingdoms fall. When men who hear refuse to pray on rocks and hills and mountains call, God's love so sure shall still endure, all measureless and strong. Redeeming grace to Adam's race, the saints and angels' song. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure. How measureless and strong it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. I like this third verse just to try to stop and imagine. He says, could we with ink the ocean fill and were the skies of parchment made, were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry, nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretched from sky to sky. Oh, love of God, how rich and pure, how measureless and strong, it shall forevermore endure the saints and angels' song. Rob, that same love of God became so real to you again. 
I wish that I could describe it to everybody here today. I wish that everybody here today could experience it, feel it, know it. But as the songwriter says, I mean, we could spend eternity trying to write it. We could never express it. But you know, folks, he loves you with that kind of love today. Oh, I hope a lot of people love you in this world. And they love you on and on and on. But nobody will ever love you more than him. Nobody will ever love you so much that it's so measureless as his love. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you can. It's your choice. God loved you enough to die for you. You can receive it or you can reject it. But there's no other option. You receive it. You believe it. You accept it. You act upon it. Or you reject it and you put it away. 